Thank you for listening to the If You Market Podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, joined by Carla Jo Helms, and today we'll be talking with Tom O'Malley of Current. Oh, sorry, Carla Jo, I kind of ripped okay. it over there. Uh, Tom O'Malley of Current about the continuous connected company. We'll explain more what that means uh, in shortly. There's been a lot of talk here about how that's not an industry term yet, but we're working on it. Tom's working on it. So uh, Tom's a determined entrepreneur driven by a passion for innovation. He has more than 20 years of experience with enterprise technology and is the CEO of Current. That's a fast-growing Palo Alto startup revolutionizing how companies conduct research and learn. Um, I met Tom, I think I met you at the MarTech conference, and I was in love with the concept of what your company does over there. Uh, so before we get into the continuous connected company, I guess, first of all, um, really excited to have you on today. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure meeting you there at, uh, at MarTech and your, your enthusiasm for what we do was, uh, was contagious. I, I then uh, started looking into the podcast and uh, mutually uh, respect the work that you're doing. Yeah, I think I ran into your guys' booth as everybody was tearing stuff down. Okay. And uh, I didn't quite get it. I'd walk by it many times because it's not an easy concept uh, necessarily. It's not something that says, oh, this is a CRM company or whatever it is. Right, right. But once you explained to me what it was, I just said, oh, this is new. This is different. This is, some, you know, this is something people aren't quite doing yet. And, and I love that. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your path, how you got to where you're at, and then, uh, and then let's uh, get into your, your company current and what you guys do over there as well. Yeah, that's great. So, um, yeah, my path has uh, been in technology uh, for about 20 some odd years. I started as a sales guy for Quest Communications. I was uh, riding the light with Joe Naccio back in the, in the uh, 90s. And then um, through that, worked up to, um, through management to Avaya. Um, ended up uh, over in Singapore with Avaya for some time and then uh, shifted from um, running uh, BD teams to um, getting into strategy. So as a booth, a Chicago booth alum, I wanted to use all my MBA tools and uh, moved over to Oracle as a, um, as a strategy and insights guy and did that across um, Asia for a bit and then did that across Europe, uh, out of Spain for a few years, and then transferred to the Bay Area about seven years ago and uh, brought my, uh, my wife and, and two uh, grade schoolers at the time uh, into the Palo Alto community and uh, decided to do a startup. And uh, so it was about four years ago, I left Oracle to, to work on this. So typical teenager in the garage type stuff. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> like a 40-something 40, 40 in the garage, but yeah. There How was many definitely years were you in Singapore. I was in Singapore for about five years. It was three more years than intended. We thought, oh, we'll just go there for a couple of years, and then we, um, you know, one thing leads to another, and yeah, it's an exciting place. It was, it was that it's, um, it's always in a fast, a fast growth mode. But those years in particular, I'm going to say 2000, ooh, uh, five-ish to 2010-ish, uh, was. Um, just really exciting times to be in the region. Yeah, so I bet. Uh, current, can you give us a little bit more about Current, what you guys do over there? Yeah, so you can imagine, you know, I'm working at Oracle, um, and, um, you know, I, I guess I just was making an observation of, boy, companies seem to be dying a lot faster than before. And I started looking into, has anybody done that research? And I came across a guy named Kurt Carlson, who is the CEO of SRI, 
And he'd done a research piece where he realized that the uh, longevity of the Fortune 500 was shrinking dramatically. Hmm. And uh, on down the road, we became friends. He became an investor in my company. But that was sort of an aha moment for me because I started the, the, the voyage of asking why. And, um, you know, understanding what others thought, like, like Kurt, but also making my own personal observations. You know, at Oracle, we had, we had fantastic data. We had plenty of research. Um, we were doing a lot to listen to our customer. And yet we were missing major market trends, you know, like cloud. <laughs> and so yeah. why is it that companies get disrupted? Why do companies miss mega trends like that? And some can say, oh, you know, it's the bureaucracy, but, or they're not incentivized to change. And some of those things are true, but oftentimes they just don't even see it coming. And I think that the root of it is because though we do a lot to practice refining um, our products, refining our teams, refining our skills, we don't necessarily do a lot to redefine them. And so what I thought was necessary was a way to uh, strip out all of the frictions of getting transformational thinking into an organization, create a culture and empathy uh, of where markets are going. And uh, when looking into it for my own purposes, I found that there were no good solutions for really engaging with your market. And so I built Current. Current's a qualitative uh, market intelligence platform, meaning it connects you with experts. I mean, there's no other you know, pure way of saying it. If you've got a particular type of an archetype of professional that you want to engage with, i.e. your target customer, you can type that into the platform and an AI bot will drive um, applicants into your, um, into your project where they're applying to get into your, uh, into your panel, so to speak. So think of it as a facilitated online panel that uh, will host an ongoing dialogue with any sort of target expert or target market that you want to attract. And you can do that in rapid sprints, meaning like four-day exchanges, round-the-clock stuff. Or you can do it ongoing in knowledge streams. And our whole voice to the market is, when should you ever stop listening and talking and actively engaging with your marketplace? Right. And so that ties right around to the subject for today, to the, the continuous connected company. That's exactly right. It's about that, getting that, that constant, uh, constant feedback. Yeah, I, I found that really interesting. I mean, you talk about companies, large companies going out of business suddenly faster than ever before. Um, and I think the technology is, is probably obviously a big part of that when you remove the barrier to entry and people can make stuff so fast to compete all of a yeah. sudden, um, big companies just aren't used to, you know, you don't see it coming because it comes so fast now. It's just, boom, they're there, they're past you. And what was that? Oh, somebody made a program last night that does everything your company does and they put it up for free. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. crap. And uh, I guess that was fun. Um, <laughs> so your platform is like real time market research, just a continuous stream basically. Yeah, so it starts off kind of like a, uh, a Google search for experts, right? And it's going to yeah. show you some sample profiles, and you just respond, less like this or more like this. But what you've done is you've created a, uh, like a, uh, a cluster for the platform to go search uh, across the web. And then as applicants apply, the cluster learns. And then as you start approving who you want in your panel, the cluster continues to learn so that it really zeroes in on the archetype of the exact person you're trying to gather. It'll bring you 40, 50 applicants in just about a week for you to pick the top 20 or 30 for you to engage with. But a facilitator is then matched to it, and they're going to actually lead the discussion for you. 
So, you know, your Procter and Gamble, you want to talk to a dermatologist on an ongoing basis. Well, your facilitator is going to be a dermatologist. And so we play in the gig economy space. It's just that your panel isn't sitting in a network waiting to be discovered. They're just out there on the web and we built the automations to go find them to spec. And so these panels are built in about a week, but then to your question, they can run for as short or as long as you want them to. Interesting. So you can create like mini advisory boards or something almost or a, a book club for your company of people you really want to be connected to and get feedback from. And it's, it's online. It's, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Like, it's like having a LinkedIn group or something, but just for your key people to come and, and mingle together. And, uh, that's, that's what just kind of blew my mind is, and then your guys, it seems like the power in what you're doing, the concept is great and the technology enables it, but your platform, what you guys really do is to allow you to create a, a group of the right people, right. To, to kind of find and put together the right, the right people for the board you're looking for. Yeah, there's, you know, there's, um, as you and I met at a trade show, we do MarTech trade shows. We do um, a lot of research uh, trade shows. So I was just down at the IIEX in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I had a speaking gig down there. Um, and because um, there's a reason we have a, a real, a real uh, timely uh, message for, for both marketing, uh, for research. You know, we go to the content shows as well because some companies want to leverage the voice of market for insights. Some want to leverage it for thought leadership and some want to use that same dialogue for both simultaneously, which I think is incredibly powerful. But look, I think the mega trends that were, that make us so relevant today in these circles or just make this concept, because I know this, you know, what we really want to do is focus on the concept today. You know, this yeah. concept of, continuously connecting with your marketplace to drive empathy. So empathy is a word that's going to keep coming up today because it really is the unlock. Um, and it's, it's also a word that hasn't been beaten to death yet, like authenticity and synergy and innovation. There's <laughs> so, so, a lot of good words out there though. I mean, starting there, there, there's trend words and everything, but there's a lot of, everything's getting personal now. It's getting personalized. It's getting, uh, uh, unfortunately, AI is getting personalized too. So they're mass personalizing, or I guess I yeah. think we, we are mass per, mass producing personalized messages to really um, make people not want to pay attention to marketing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, all those trigger words, they're generally good words though. There's a lot of great stuff going on in marketing nowadays with serving the customer. So yeah, let's transition over to the continuous connected company. We've kind of had some overlap between what you guys do. We'll constantly be referencing that because it's so connected to this, this concept, but the continuous connected company, um, can you throw out, I guess, is there a short description of what that means? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about, um, think about product teams, you know, what they're talking about is, um, customer experience, right? So that's the big buzz in that circle right now. We need to be thinking about customer experience, designing product for customer experience. Talk to product marketing teams, you'll hear very something, you know, something very similar. The word experiences or creating experiences for your customer are gonna be in their dialogue. Talk to sales leaders, they're gonna be talking around personalizing, as you said, personalizing messages and making things relevant, all right? So all these, everybody's using the words for the same thing, which is the realization that you know, our customers, uh, the market is not as rational as we once thought. 
and particularly in the B2B space, you know, they're not, they don't make decisions like economists do. They make decisions largely from how they feel your organization understands them. Yes. Mm -hmm. We call that human emotion and reaction. Yeah. I think that concept is universally accepted or being accepted in all of those circles I just mentioned from product to marketing to sales. People are awakening this. Even your research departments, that was the talk of pretty much every keynote down in Philadelphia this week that data needs to include storytelling. It needs to motivate and engage people. It can't just be a report that sits in a desk drawer. And so everyone's saying, how can we instill more empathy into our organization? So let's just take the topic of CX, customer experience, because not only that, you know, that's what customers are buying and it's why they stay, right? Mm -hmm. If you have strong customer experience, your company grows. If not, you're a leaky bucket and you become irrelevant very quickly. So let's just say, let's, we'll focus it on that. You know, how does one drive a better customer experience when the customer experience is every facet of your organization? They're not just touching the tip of the spear sales. They're not just interfacing with the content that market, you know, marketing puts out or the product that product puts out um, or the support, right, support teams. So you really got to start changing the culture of your organization so everybody becomes a customer advocate. And they're only going to do that if they have an empathy for who the customer is or who the market is and what their wants are. And so what we're saying is, we're saying to the marketplace today, not just, not just me at current, but, but the people behind this movement, and it sounds like, Carla, you're also an advocate of this movement, that that. If we're not, you can't be empathetic just by um, reading a book, though it helps. <laughs> you, can't be, you can't be empathetic by um, talking to um, the same people all the time. Right, the how you, to act like a human book, you can't just read that. You and then, can't, there is. <laughs> there's some value, a little bit, a little bit of secondary knowledge there, right? That's right, that's right. So, um, so I think, you know, what really breaks down people is when they connect with other people and, um, and hear the stories. And it's, it's, it's in the nuance, right? It's in the presence of others. It's, it's hearing successes and failure. It's hearing the tonality of people's voice, the language that they use. Um, and, so, and learning how to speak in their language as well, you know? So I think what, um, what we're saying is the only way to get that into your business is not going to be because you, you do a focus group once a quarter or you run a customer advisory board twice a year. Right. The technologies exist and the eagerness for the market to want to connect with you exists. And that's where I think the unlock is that I want to talk about next, but just from a, a verb of what the continuous connection is and why we do it. Uh, you've got to stay connected to your target market. Again, not just your fan base, your target market, the ones that may like you, the ones that buy your competitor, to understand what's driving their thinking. And you can't do it, you know, batch is dead, we always say, because, you know, people- What is, what is dead? What did you say? Batch. Oh. batch. Yeah. So learning in batches, experiencing in batches, um, you know, reports expire. The shelf life on a, on a market report today depends on the subject, but can be as short as weeks. So the point is, is you can no longer afford to learn incrementally. You have to learn in streams, which means a continuous connection. So it dawns on me, this, this uh, 
I think it'd be kind of like an expert advisory board that you'd build to, to keep that connection is, uh, you know, if you're connected to all your customers and getting their feedback, that's great. But customer feedback can kind of be tainted by the fact that they're a customer. They don't necessarily know. You can get a lot of recommendations for things they want that really aren't good ideas. Um, that, that kind of stuff. And then you have your people in inside that really know the product and they're studying this all the time, but they're kind of too close. Yeah. When you get experts in the field, it's like having the best possible customers um, because they're actually, they're really in touch with the field and the, the kind of feedback and information they're going to give you in one of these kind of advisory boards it just seems like it's the best possible cross section of doing a focus group kind of that, but it's ongoing and it's not a, um, it's not a cross section of people who didn't have work that day kind of a thing. You know, it's, it's really quality people within your, <clears throat> that you're, uh, I have a caveat to that. Info back from. Go ahead, if Carla. You, what do you think? If you only have, just what Sky is saying, right? If you only have the experts with which to get that information from, you know, you do have clients that are not experts and they are your clients or they're prospective clients and they don't know enough, right? And that is an empathy that you have to have in order to understand their human emotion and reaction because they will buy. So I think this is that uh, you're absolutely right. You listen to your customers. That's or, or prospects, right? Yeah, or, yeah well, uh, exactly. Um, I think what let's let's drop the word expert. L let me explain what an expert is. Or let's sorry, I, I threw that in there. I'm it's okay. Trying to grasp. Let's, it. let's define it because it's anybody that has a relevant perspective is how we define it. So when, for example, a company comes to us that makes skin adhesive product, um, the expert that they want to hear from are ostomy patients that have to wear bandages on their sides yeah. every day. Yeah. So who's an expert in skin adhesive? you know, that could outmeasure them. Right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So it's the person with the most relevant, um, you know, regardless of knowledge set, regardless of education or credentials, it has nothing to do with that. It's who has the most relevant perspective. Right. In that uh, case, the user, right? Well, the user is important. Um, if, they're, if, if the goal is to refine what you currently have, Users yeah. are great at reacting to what they see. Uh -huh. And so if you want to get, um, um, if you want to refine what you currently have, we see that as one cycle, right? And so in that, we use tools like, oh, um, you know, Intercom. We'll use things like uh, Medallia. You know, we'll get immediate feedback from our users. We'll watch them and how they manage a screen. We'll put them on interviews. Um, we'll do a transact. That type of customer insights tends to be very high transaction. We'll mm -hmm. do surveys. A lot of it's data driven and it requires analysis. Okay, so that's, that's the process of refining um, one's thinking, one's brand, one's product, one's CX. What we're talking about today in the continuous connection to your market we think of this as market intelligence. And whereas the insights, customer insights tend to be very data-driven, market intelligence tends to be very qualitative because you're talking about the future, you're talking about emerging needs and trends, you're not talking about your product. Right, I and get so, you. And so instead of transactions, it's people. Instead of surveys, it's conversations. 
Mm. Instead of data, it's attitudes. And instead of analysis, it's experiences. So this, you know, people, conversations, attitudes, and experiences, how you drive empathy. And that's what we're talking about, about the continuous connection is, are you in a real dialogue with your target market, the ones that are buying your competitor, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The ones that saw your pitch three times and didn't buy, the ones that never heard about you, um, those are the ones that can help you redefine uh, your biases about right. your own product. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds very uh, almost emotion-driven. I mean, attitude, emotion, emotion-driven, yeah. Coming from a data guy. I mean, I'm, I, I feel that data's been, you know, we're, we're sort of, I believe, at the tail end or we've exhausted the subject for now. It's like, you know, everything's gotten so data-driven that people have lost sight of, where is the emotion in the buying experience? And so I think there's a return back to that right now. And that's why this conversation is so timely, whether you're in sales, marketing, anybody who's touching the customer, you got to understand what is the empathy that, or what is the emotion that drives them to take an action? All right. I think this is a good spot to uh, pause for a break. You are listening to the Iffy Market Podcast, and we are speaking with Tom O'Malley of Current about the Continuous Connected Company. We'll be right back. The Iffy Market Podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. And at Mountaintop Data, we're all about data for B2B marketing. Our goal is to improve the quality, depth, and coverage of our clients' targeted marketing data while removing the technical pain of accessing and implementing data. We help with everything from new target contacts to appending and cleaning existing data, all with the goal to free you and your team up to focus on creating great marketing experiences. Check us out online at mountaintopdata.com and sign up for our new top data search tool and get free access to search our database of over 30 million business contacts. Use the code hashtag IYM when signing up and get 200 free credits. I want to get into some nuts and bolts here, Tom. Can you give us some examples on how companies can implement this kind of thing. Um, what are the different types of things they can do? I know you guys have a platform that does this, but, but how does that look for them? What are, what are they actually going to be doing and, and getting back from it? Yeah. So um, by now, uh, you know, we, we talked to enough people to know that by now in the, in the conversation, people are wondering, well, I don't get it. Why would any of these panelists apply why do they want to be a part of this discussion like you know what is yeah. the, what why are they showing up at all right and so when and when broadcom for example wants wants to do a uh we call it a knowledge stream but when they want to engage you know a, a market they do it by their key product verticals right so they have one of these per of their you know each of their eight verticals where they're in a continuous dialogue with their target market to that vertical and what's interesting is, and what we realized about the whole expert for higher market is that it's largely been driven off of the mercenary model. I will pay you to show up and do something for me. Okay. Fill out a survey, uh, get on a phone call. Right. And so what we thought was very limiting to that is a, the economics don't scale and B by treating them as a mercenary, you're disregarding the fact that they too need to stay up to date on the latest transformations that are occurring in their industry. So what I believe, you know, I'm a Michael Porter sort of shared value guy. 
I don't think that you can have a marketplace unless both parties are leaving feeling equally uh, compensated. Hmm. And so what we believe is we have two customers. We have the buyers of this or the sponsors of the engagement, which are usually the companies, but then we have the panelists or the experts that are showing up because when we think about why they show up, they want to learn from each other. If I'm going to bring together 30 CMOs, you know, to talk to Sprinkler, for example, you know, Sprinkler wants to engage CMOs, you know, they're going to be uh, motivated because of the other 19 or 29 CMOs rather that are in that panel. They want to learn from them and they want to be recognized by them. And so we want to be involved just to be involved too. I mean, something you said earlier, I I wrote this down. uh, I say this all the time to people like you cannot pay people to care. Yeah. If you create a board and it's like, Hey, we're going to pay you this much and you're going to give us the feedback their heart's not in it. Like I said, they're mercenaries. They're there for a reason and it's the paycheck. Um, but people join chat groups and all kinds of stuff. So it seems like you're right. basically saying we want to tap into the people to make this their hobby, to make this something that they enjoy doing. They're going and putting a comment on some, on a post. Why not do that for, for our company? I know I have products where if they approached me and said, Hey, we want regularly want your opinion. I'd be like, great. But when they have somebody call me for a survey, you know, I, I hang up on them. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of tapping into that, the human, really into the human side of things, into the, Hey, we want your expertise. We've got a handful of people in this group and, and we'd like, we'd like your feedback specifically for a reason. Yeah, um, you're right. Sky, people love to give their opinion, don't they? Especially you're finding the right people who have probably an opinion on this stuff. Yep. Um, it's, you know, you have a, what the site Quora, that's all that site is based on. Is, hey, you yep. think you have an opinion on something? Give it. Like, yeah. Start coming to you and asking for it. Um, so I guess within this concept, I, w- I still want to get back to how is this, a, how is this executed kind of. Yeah, right. To understand it as we go along, are people, do you set one of these groups? Let's say you want to have this group and you want to have it run for a year or, so, or, or whatnot. Um, is the group set or are people coming and going, joining and leaving all the time? Yeah, so, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a white space missing in professional online networking, right? And so, um, you know, for example, the word FOMO didn't exist seven, eight years ago, right? And so the, there's a desire to get into these panels when you create exclusivity. And so there is a backlog of applicants. And uh, everything's gamified because people need constant call it dopamine drips or feedback. It's um, they need reassurance that they're creating value all the time. Like European soccer. Do you have the relegation and what they call it? Relegation (laughs) and delegation or something like that. Where if somebody doesn't put enough into the group, they're going to get kicked down into the holding pen. It's, it's not as physical, but uh, (laughs) but it's it's as effective. The, uh, the gist is um, say uh, Carla and I come in and and we're, we're engaging on the panel she and I are talking back and forth. Um, and then you come in, you make a post and nobody talks to you. Um, well, you haven't created any value then. Um, but Carla made such a great post. She's creating a huge controversy over here and there's some people supporting it and some people negating it, but we're, we're having a healthy debate around it. She's earning tons of points. Mm. And so her points are going up. Yours are going down. You're going to get booted off at the end of the month. There's about 20% turnover every month. 
Get uh, controversial, Scott. You're saying, sorry, nobody wants to hear you, so you're not <laughs> on the board anymore. <laughs> no, I had to use you as the as the guy that was going to get kicked off. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Um, really but, yeah, it is gamified, and uh, but it's it's all healthy, and I think the uh, the thing that makes it fair is that it's all peer to peer. The platform's not making any judgments. It's not doing any thinking. It's um, it's just um, calculating. So it's and, not just are you putting information in, but are people interacting with that information? Like you can put a ton of content out, but if it sucks, your system's going to know it. Yeah, there's about 16 ways to earn points. Um, the facilitator can highlight something you said, something you said could get voted up. There's um, little emojis that people can drop on your comments. Um, yeah, so there's, uh, there's ample ways. And then those points, they so do the tool. Wait a second. The, the pool of people that get bumped in if somebody gets bumped out, is that just in order they arrived? Or do they have some infighting of their own there, like this sub-conversation? <laughs> there's, no, there's always a backlog of applicants. Uh, the system just keeps running and more applicants are found every day and they come in and apply. Um, the client has to approve them, though. So we only supply applicants. The client is picking their panelists. Um, so yeah, they'll pick the next person in queue. I feel like it's like you're, you're creating this, this, uh, nerdy, this European soccer league of ideas kind of, and uh, right. I'm just waiting to watch people start to watch it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a fantasy sport for who gets uh, bumped up to the majors in this, you know, particular niche industry, uh, advisory board. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. We get a couple of analogies. Uh, customers sometimes call us, oh, I get it. You're a private curated Quora. And we're like, okay, sure. And then... Boy, they really love it to position it with things they already understand. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay? Right. That's oh, fascinating. You're, yeah, you're the Uber of consulting. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, experts uh, blame us for being the, uh, the LinkedIn for introverts. Um <laughs> We get called, well, we not, get called or the exclusive LinkedIn club, like exclusive, yeah. exclusive. And you guys say, call me whatever you want. As long as you call me. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But I, but I do think that's a uh, part of me. Carla. Well, how does this look to companies like that, that are not engaging your service, but this empathy yeah. connectivity, how does this look for them? I, I can imagine our listeners are thinking, how do I do this? You know, how do I, Continually connect. Yeah. Other than let's say you have a company out there that doesn't have the budget to come and, and, and pay you guys to do this. Yeah. They want to bootstrap it. They want to do some ver do the concept manually on a small scale themselves. What would that look like? Are they running surveys? Are they reaching out to people on LinkedIn and having this, like just telling them you're part of this group, Are they mm -hmm. setting a group chat, like how, what, what does that look like for them? Yeah, exactly. So um, I think the current practices, um, sorry, the current uh, practices are, um, are around uh, events. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of folks will do events like breakfast, um, um, you know, customer advisory boards. Uh, they'll do, you know, social type events, dinners, fly some people in. I would say, uh, you have to fly people in from around the world or around the country if you have. Yeah. Yeah, so events are expensive and they're they're heavy to lift because you know you have one problem with catering and then everything you know goes to pot. True, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? The type of people you have in your group are probably also people who are busy. So yeah, they getting them all together on an airplane yeah. and I'm going to fly coach and. 
Yeah. So, so, and- yes. Yeah, so, so events again, aren't continuous, but if you try to do them continuously, they can get really burdensome. Um, virtual meetings, I think, you know, people try to do webinars that have some back and forth. I think a lot of companies fail at that where they turn into one, one directional. Um, but what you do you can- mean? Uh, like hosting a webinar where you're going to be maybe surfacing on a monthly basis, a new industry topic, have a guest speaker there, and then take some questions from from an audience that may or may not be customers. Uh, but I'd say the feedback, you're just not getting much impact because they're not, you know, the participants aren't being featured, your speaker is. Right. It's right. a one-way flow. I get it. One way. And then social, I think social listening works for some meaning, um, consumer, uh, brands, I think get a lot from maybe semantic analysis or social listening. But then again, I think, um, a, that's somewhat limited to consumer B2B companies have a hard time doing that. There's just not a lot of social groups talking about gas turbines these days, uh, on Reddit. Um, so (laughs) that was sort of the, our formation of thinking is how do you get the impact of an event, but take away all the friction so you can do it on an ongoing basis. And then that's where the thinking started. Actually, it was like, all right, what would need to be true? You know, it, it, it have to find people automatically. Uh, it have to be, somebody's going to need to organize it and, and like moderate that dialogue. And then it also has to have outputs. Like what's the point in having a meeting if you don't, have a report that comes out or an insight that's born, a podcast that's delivered, a blog post that's written. So it's, it's got to have that element to it as well. And, and so that's where I think the opportunity is, whether it's current or you're going to try to patch something together in your own walls, you got to be making those considerations. How am I going to get a steady flow of people? How am I going to make it meaningful for the attendees so that they feel enriched? And then how do I get insights and content out of that to make it, make those insights useful to other people as well? Okay. Still want to get to the execution though. Yeah. Well, events, which could be very heavy. The live event part, but then online event, is it, is it, I guess what I'm trying to nail down and I'm, I'm sure it can be done any way that works, but are you creating a group online? Um, Let's just go back to the nineties and call it like a chat group. Yeah. Are you creating a group online where people come in on a set time and you say on Tuesday, we're going to come in and talk on this or is it oh, gotcha. an open thing where they drop in whenever, see what's going on, comment. Um, or, That's or right. Either. Yeah. Yeah. I think of it as an asynchronous form. It's there. It's uh, introducing new themes every two weeks. Um, themes tend to go from flare to focus, meaning the facilitator will start the conversation or start the theme with maybe, um, I don't know, a new screenshot or some data um, and say, hey, here's, here's what we're going to be looking at. What do you guys think? And then as the sub-issues arise, then they'll start to chunk those out. And over the two weeks, they try to narrow the topic down to somewhat of a recommendation or a takeaway. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they just continually do that every two weeks, introducing a new theme. And so you can think of it as that team of people end up becoming almost like a media outlet in their own right as yeah. they continue to just produce. And you wouldn't believe the amount of content that comes out when, when you get the ingredients right, meaning you got the yeah, right, a relevant facilitator talking about exactly the pain points that these people care about. You know, people love um, empathizing with each other. Right. And what, what an opportunity for them. So, 
So a small company might just say, open a Slack channel, invite people, get a group of people, and then they'll, they'll chat. And every once in a while, they'll say, Hey, let's talk about this now. Or, or, or can you get, can I get some feedback on this subject this week? And then the, the medium sized enterprise company is going to come to somebody like you to have this, this put together in a serious fashion. Would those both be kind of good examples of how it can be done? I, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think this in a way is the managed community, right? This is a way to manage a community so that it actually yields useful insights. I think first attempts to this is like chatter, Yammer, Jive, open forums designed for free thinking and free right. input. But then and what you got all this free thinking and input. And what you got was self-promotion and, and uh, you know, verbal graffiti and you know, some people, the ones that you want are getting turned off by the things that you don't want. And it ends up either getting robbed or silent. Yeah, I see and it on a LinkedIn. Somebody will post something and then start groups. the conversation. And then the worst form of nature takes over and somebody accuses somebody of trolling because they commented and didn't agree. And yeah. it just gets, <laughs> gets out of hand. You know what it reminds me of? You think of trade shows and you go, you know, they have a lot of the breakout groups and they have the panel discussions in the breakout groups. And <clears throat> I've been to many, many trade shows and sometimes the, the moderator um, sucks, right? But like yeah. the, the, the guy that controls... That's why I'm afraid of being a moderator, by the way. <laughs> right? But, you know, the panelists are all experts and they have really good information, right? If you have a really good moderator or if you could be that moderator to ask the questions to really get the right feedback, you know, that's another way that could, you know, could do it for companies that go to trade shows. They could actually, instead of trying to be speakers, because moderators are so needed, they could actually yep. be moderators and they could get some insight that way. Yeah. And I, I think at, at trade shows, what I've seen is non-professional moderators. I mean, we, we have to appreciate that job. I mean, it is a skill set. There is a it's science. A yeah. Yeah. And uh, there, are, there are certification programs for that for a reason. You know, there's, and there's different types of moderation too, right? Um, but if you get a really good one. Yeah. Right, that can really drill down and ask the questions that the audience really wants to hear. I was know? thinking and someone that knows the industry. There's an event coming up. I was thinking about doing a panel and moderating it. And now you guys just scared the shit you out You should of totally be no the way moderator. I'm doing that. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> you should. I'm not going to be the poster child for a terrible moderator. <laughs> but I, but I think it's an important... I think it's an important point to double click on because if you are going to have a panel, uh, you might want to ask yourself, do you really want to be the mod or should you really be the moderator? Because, you know, quite frankly, there's a certain bias that gets introduced um, and also a perceived bias by the panel and the, and the maybe, you know, potential followers or listeners, because um, imagine this versus, uh, Broadcom uh, wants to hire a third party uh, moderator who's not going to be um, wearing a Broadcom shirt up on stage. They are a, um, you know, a science born moderator. Uh, they've got the credentials of a moderator. They're uh, in the spirit of neutrality. And so there is a certain level of credibility. The other thing that I always say uh, when clients say, Oh, can we moderate it ourselves? I say, well, uh, can we hold you accountable for doing it right? Uh, and yeah. that's answer. That that's tough. That's tough to do. Is hold hold your customer accountable. Yeah. 
It's uh, a mechanic sign that says if if you want to be here, it's going to cost more, and if you want to <laughs> get involved, then you really got to pay a lot because yeah, <laughs> exactly. deal with you too. So yeah, it seems the moderator is like Carla Joe. You were saying if you're not asking the right questions from this group of people, you have all this talent there, and you're just not really steering them properly, it can go wrong. So yeah, you need somebody who knows what they're doing. You can't just say, hey, we're a company. Come in and regularly give your comments on you know what we do and stuff. Um, what about the the people on the in the group themselves. It seems like you could create one of these that with that whole European soccer model, you've got people trickling up through and people dropping out regularly. And then you can, you know, moderators, just the actual people in the group can become, can be a moderator for a period of time. Did that ever happen where they have the, the advisory board members actually moderating, uh, you know, exchanging who moderates? Yeah, it's it's totally possible. Actually, it's a it's it's a good question. Um, as long as the people that you nominate as moderators really appreciate the art form of it, uh, and they don't see it as a platform to move their agenda forward, so right. they're right. they could have been trained in that neutrality. Uh, management consultants make great moderators. Um, authors make great moderators. Um, moderators make great moderators. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a couple elements here. It seems like you got to bring the group together. People yeah. can go out and find people they think are good. Your guys' platform, that's what it does is find people. Um, so there's bringing the group together, the right group together. Then there's, I know you're like, hey, give me a second one. <laughs> then there's a the second one. After the group's brought together, you have to um, both manage the group as far as dropping people out and bringing new people in and moderate the, the topic. And yep. then I suppose the the other ingredient you mentioned would be the the outcome, actually reporting some useful information on this. Um, it's not just a gossip gossip channel. You're supposed to be answering some questions or something. What am I missing? What else is it? What other ingredient do you have in here? Yeah, so uh, you you really nailed uh, four out of five. So the moderator, the management, um, uh, the uh, output, um, and then the uh, the ingredients, the you know attracting the right people. Um, the fifth thing is uh, the incentives um, mm. and incentives, not, you know, immediately people think, oh yes, you got to pay them. That's not what I'm talking about. You need to compensate them. And what I mean by that is people want to be compensated uh, on many levels. They want to be compensated in knowledge. So you have to show them that they've learned stuff over time. The content helps to do that, but also give them a view of what their journey looked like. Um, you have to uh, reward them in recognition. So when we are, so if you take the content and every once in a while you put out, Hey, these people are saying this and that, then you're, the you're giving them, yeah, you're, you're putting them out there as experts. You're building their, their profile kind of. Yeah. They can remember this is the LinkedIn for introverts. They, they want to be built up too. Uh, the you know, and LinkedIn. <laughs> um, and then the last piece that we think about is, you know, everybody needs to do it's a mental calculation as well. And they need to say, yeah, but what, what am I really, how do I explain this to others what I'm getting out of it? Oh, yeah, I get an Amazon gift card or, you know, oh. uh, you know. <laughs> so they do need to feel that compensation is part of it. If you remove that, um, you know, and that compensation can go to a third party, meaning many oh. of them donate it. So if it makes them feel great, but they don't want to tell their wife, like, why are you spending all this time? And well, because I feel good to be an expert they need to be able to say 
yeah, you know, I get that, you know, that Starbucks card I gave you, that's where it's from. And they'll be, Ooh, okay. Right here, honey. It's the big brain, hard at work. <laughs> yeah. When you go to an event, there's always a page on the event page is like how to sell this to your boss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of that, how to sell it to their friends. Why are they part of this group? Um, it's not, yeah, so, just, so it's not just the ego. I actually get something out of it. Yeah. So those points, not only do they aggregate to recognition, like, you know, uh, badges, and tiers on the platform for their profile. Um, it also um, gets attributed to tags of things that they have proven that they know about. So an AI expert would have a tag on their profile with a lot of points next to it saying, I have proven myself many a time on this subject as judged by my peers. And then it also, those points can be converted out to cash. And so um, a layer one, participant can cash out at 25 cents a point. Whereas a layer six gets some multiple of that. Uh, maybe they're cashing out at say 40 cents a point. You need a badge on there. That's a, uh, a TOA badge and people won't oh. know what it means, but it means they talk out of their ass a lot. So it's the opposite <laughs> of points. Like, Oh, this guy's got a lot of TOA points. What's that? That's uh, not good. <laughs> we actually have Negative a thing. Points. Yeah. yeah. There's a, there is a way it's called um, grandstanding. Uh, it's, it's a little emoji of a guy that looks like this. <laughs> and, uh, I'm making that my uh, photo for uh, social now. <laughs> and um, and you, if you get hit with that too many times, you lose points. You can get your account frozen. You can get removed from the, the panel. But if you give too many grandstanding um, emojis, uh -huh. you could also be seen as just a dick. <laughs> you your own emoji. You have a dick emoji? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, okay. You've got to wrap things up here. This one. On that note. Uh, that's the note I want to end on, yes. Um, this, this just blew by. Fascinating subject. I love the whole concept. Um, it seems like you're constantly getting you know, people like me and basically everybody, but you guys are trying to encapsulate and say, what are you? You know, the LinkedIn for introverts, the uh, Quora meets LinkedIn and all these other things. I, I just, I think it's a great concept. I don't mind talking so much about you guys on the podcast because as you found at the event, when I came by, I just said, this, this is interesting. It was the one new thing I saw at the show. It was the one, this is a means of marketing that people aren't doing now that could be really effective. So uh, just to say, obviously, I love what you guys are doing over there. Really interesting to see where it goes and, and how this evolves and, and how people start uh, start adopting it and incorporating it. Um, as we wrap up here, a couple things I'd like to get to. One, of course, everything will be on the show notes uh, for this episode. Um, but uh, Tom, to find you guys, to find you at currnt.com for current, right? Uh, yeah, we couldn't afford the E. <laughs> literally awesome. oh i think <laughs> i i think that came up, yeah. probably another fifty thousand dollars to get it with the yeah exactly and then uh tom o'malley you can put his name in on on linkedin and uh, you know come up there there and uh, anything else you want to throw out there as far as where people can find you guys anything going on that you want to you want people to know about well yeah i mean i'm i'm actually a real big advocate of linkedin um i think um i think there's um a lot of value in it and i think more value is emerging every day uh so i've been posting there a lot more uh, i'm making it a practice of mine to try to get something meaningful up several times a week 
Um, so I'd like to invite folks that are passionate about this subject, about continuously connecting your company, whether it's for a better product, better marketing, better sales. It, I just like to you know, riff with others on, on thought leadership. If you're a keynote speaker on this subject, gosh, please reach out. Um, I'm going to be doing some more speaking engagements. I have a podcast as well, but it's nothing to do with this. We call it drinking wine and talking tech. Um, <laughs> I have a golf podcast. Do those go together? Let's see. But, but um, I think what it demonstrates is, you know, I really love uh, intelligent conversations that are pointed on, on future-focused uh, trends and events. So if you have something that you're really excited about and it relates to something we're doing, please share it. Please reach out. Now, Gary Vee's a wine guy. Have you had him on? No, not yet. No, uh, I did get a chance to meet him. Um, I sort of stalked him after uh, a speaking gig that he was doing uh, in Chicago last week at the ANA. And I ended up getting about 15 minutes uh, with him one-on-one uh, -on -one as that's he was like, waiting. That's like 30 F-bombs. Well, it was, the F-bomb count was high. <laughs> and so were the phone call interruptions. He probably got about six phone calls during our 15 minutes. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. If you have him on, you have to tell him, he can come on as long as he provides the wine. Yeah, that's right. Well, he does yeah. now, right? The He's got to buy his way onto your show. And, and you know, his, the name of his wine is called Empathy. Empathy wine, yeah. That's a, yeah. Uh, that's a weird name. <laughs> I'm not going to go against anything he says. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, it's been an awesome show. I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, obviously, the show notes, again, you can get back to uh, on the ifyoumarket.com site. Please follow us, subscribe. And uh, on behalf of Carla Joe Helms, the If You Market team, and Tom O'Malley of Current, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with mm, the continuous connect, some sort of connected, some, give me a tagline here, Tom. It, they will come. <laughs> connect the shit out of it, they will come. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.